0: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it might be for you. Tomer in here from Tom's Big Spiders, and recently I was on Facebook and put a call out for any questions or potential podcast ideas people might like to see me do. Now again, I have a list of things I like to go through, but I do notice that a lot of questions come up and a lot of similar questions come up, and sometimes those are things I jump on with a podcast, plus I never know what people want to hear about. So I'm totally open to doing some of these Q&A ones where people ask questions, and I do my best to answer them. Uh, sometimes I might not have an answer. I looked at some of these and, and again, I have to thank everybody. I was shocked at how many responses I got. I figured I'd get a few responses and start recording and they just kept coming. I think I'm up to 40 something now. So I really do appreciate it. I am going to go through and just in the very least, thank everybody that took the time out to offer a question. Some of them I've covered before and I'll tell you, there's a funny thing with the podcast stuff and I'm starting to feel like I'm losing it my old age, but I, there's been a couple times now where I've done a podcast on something and then I've gone back for Through old podcasts, went oh, I kind of touched on that before. So, again, I think a couple of times I've done it. I came with fresh takes. One of them was ridiculous because I did a whole thing on Peaceful Etheria an update on Peaceful Etheria. And then when I went to publish it, I published the old one a second time. And somebody's like, "What is this a rerun?" And I'm like, "No." And I looked, and I'm like, "Yeah, it was." Not only had I covered it before, but I actually, when I went to load it up, I did the old one and not the new one. So. I'm human, I mess up, but with these, pie with calling out on Facebook, the thing I like about it is this is stuff that people are currently listening to me want to hear about, so it makes it, I think, a little more important, a little more personalized to the people that are actually listening to it, because again, I, I've stated it many, many times, I never thought this podcast was ever going to find an audience, I was fully prepared to do, you know, six months of it, and just go, eh, I'm sorry, you know, the 30 people or the 10 people that are listening to it, I even think I'd make 50 or 30. Uh, it's it's just not worth it the time, but it, it I'm seeing the audience grow. I'm enjoying it. It's a different type of. Uh outlet for me it's it's a lot easier sometimes it's, it's easier in ways than the videos because I don't have to do all the editing and stuff however it can be harder trying to find the quiet time so now that I'm off for school I'm going to try to bank some of these up so that I you know when I have quiet time I don't I can take advantage of it as opposed to sending poor Billy out of the house to go shopping so I can get some quiet time it's not her that's loud it's just I have a hard time doing these with her in the room I feel like a dingus so anyway what we're going to do is I'm going to click over and you'll probably hear the audible click over to Facebook and again a lot of times I edit the clicks out but I'm going to leave them in here because I am looking at Facebook and going through it now some of these I'm going to p- apologize right off the bat I don't I have this thing about mispronouncing anybody's name and some of them, unfortunately, I, I think I'm going to struggle with. So if you correct me, I will go back and please don't feel like you're hurting my feelings. If you go, hey, you completely butchered it, it's pronounced this way. But let me know the phonetic way to pronounce it. If I do mispronounce it in this podcast, and I will go back and apologize and pronounce it correctly. Because uh, believe me, I as a kid who was referred to as Tom Moron for, by teachers, believe it or not, for much of his life, I get how annoying it can be. Also, Thomas, believe it or not, and i still wrapping my mind around that one. But anyway, here's a couple of the ones that I'm going to go through. What I'm going to do is tackle a couple of the easier ones first. And then I'll go into some of the other ones. So a few people asked, we have Mark Nelson asked, how do you deal with mold? I followed your advice, remove the mold affected substrate, but I just checked and it's back again. I failed on that advice apparently. But again, when I answer this one, it'll be totally clear. Mold's a, a tricky issue. And then a couple other people, I believe, uh, Anastasia Zila Zila Anastasia, I bl- I hope I'm pronouncing at least your first name right. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But mold amount of substrates once again size of enclosures. Well, I'm going to tackle the mold portion here, and then I believe somebody else also asked about mold, but I'm not finding it right now. I think there was three of. Oh, here we go, Vince Padilla. How do you deal with mold? I have one tea that no matter how many times I redo its enclosure, it gets mold. Thence, I'm with you. And here's the deal with mold, guys. Um, it's annoying as all get out. It's unsightly. Uh, we've been taught from day one that it's. I mean, if you read some of the old posts on arachna boards and stuff, I remember the first time I got mold. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my entire collection. I freaked out. One thing that's I I found through my own experiences and talking to other keepers and talking to even some people that originally thought it was deadly there are people out there that seem to think it's deadly the idea is that the spores will overrun the the book lungs of the tarantula killing it the i think the bigger issue is sometimes when you get a lot of mold and fungus it means that the container itself or the enclosure is not ventilated enough which can lead to dank situations that can lead to other desirable things so the mold sometimes i think when we think it can be deadly it's more a more a symptom of a larger problem so for example if i got an enclosure that's getting all kinds of mushrooms and stuff and this just happened to me um i need to go back to the drawing board because one thing right off the bat there's probably not enough circulation or ventilation in there and that's an important thing that's something that uh, through my tenure in the hobby i've struggled with because when i first got into the hobby it was when people were telling you to cover up ventilation with Saran wrap and plastic and tape things up and close it off. And if you're keeping a tea sturmy, make sure you don't have enough, you know, a lot of vent holes in there. And then there was kind of a revolution where people realized, no, this is probably what's killing a lot of these moisture-dependent species. We figured out the moisture-dependent species, we got in a situation where we knew they needed moisture, we would close off the ventilation, they would get these stuffy, nasty conditions, they'd die, and then we'd go, oh, there must not have been enough moisture, so we'd make it even worse, and unfortunately, we were getting further away from the root of the problem, which was by trying to keep the humidity up and spraying and keeping the substrate damp or swampy, I believe it's a tarantula keeper's guide that refers to them, and correct me if I'm wrong, is swamp dwellers or something like that, they use the term swampy, which is not, you do not ever want swampy substrate, if you can pick up a handful of substrate and squeeze water out of it, it's too moist, even for my my t uh, but therophosa blonde the Theraphosa Sturmi i keep them moist part of it moist a lot of water dishes but i do not overdo it and i make sure there's a lot of ventilation so i think for a lot of us trying to find that happy medium with ventilation is a tricky prospect because i know in the summertime like right now uh, the humidity in my tarantula room is up to like 70 something percent. it's gonna be a humid day here hot humid day in connecticut and so obviously when it's hot and humid you don't have to go overboard with keeping things moist and that's something we tend to forget about i've referred to before i have a lot of keepers from the philippines that are keeping over there and they ask me for information like yeah i moistened down the substrate really well and i'm like wait a minute what's your humidity over there right now and they're like oh 88 like don't even let it dry out because what happens is we we tend to go overboard in one direction and we're actually making the thing worse so one thing right off the bat to get back to the mold the mold itself and and please somebody that knows more about mold and then fungus is another one I get the stuff that I referred to as mold for years this yellow stuff that you can see these little yellow dots and it'll grow and if you let it go unchecked you get these giant mushrooms that seem to spring up overnight that one apparently is a fungus I had somebody that told me they thought that I forget the species of it and if you're out there and if you I was supposed to send a sample to somebody to have it evaluated and I lost the email contract uh, contact I have the sample all bagged up and ready to go and couldn't find the darn email so please let me know I've I'd still like to get that done, Um, but there's a difference between the mold and the fungus. The fungus, sometimes you get the little, I've gotten white mushrooms. These are yellow mushrooms, and it looks like these cells just basically reproduce to the point where you come in one day, and it's like, oop, I got to clean that out in the morning, and then by the end of the evening, it's the thing's like six inches long. It's unbelievable. Maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but they grow super fast, and I just had it happen with one of my homeoma species species. blues I believe where I looked in the morning and there was a mold out big old mold outbreak where I just moistened it down I'd overdone it there wasn't enough ventilation so I'm like all right got to change that well about 24 hours later I had a mushroom so I'm like all right that's it so the middle you know it was like 8 30 at night I'm clearing off the dinner table getting ready to do an emergency rehousing and clean it up and basically what I one of the things I did is I took it out cleaned the whole container out used uh, white vinegar and water so nothing you know that could potentially be poisonous to the tarantula dried it off, went back in, took a Dremel out, added a bunch more holes to it because obviously there weren't enough holes. And this isn't a species that needs it super moist. I just moistened down a corner for it, replaced the substrate, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I do sympathize with people because it seems like when you get one batch of mold, a lot of some of these guys it continues it perpetuates now I saw an interesting argument on a Facebook group where somebody was talking about mold and somebody got lambasted because they said basically that the mold can transfer over on the tarantula so if you take a tarantula out of a mold a moldy enclosure or enclosure with fungus with the spores and you clean up all the substrate and put the tarantula back in the tarantula itself could be harboring harboring the spores and somebody went torn apart and Went, that's absolutely ridiculous that can't happen I, Again, I don't know enough about it, but it seems to me like it certainly could. I've been talking to people about the fungus and the mold and how easily it can spread from container to container. So for example, I had one that had some of that fungus in it. Uh, Next thing I know, the one adjacent to it has the fungus in it. I don't think that's a coincidence, it floated on through, I've had, and I think other, obviously we just had somebody comment, same thing, that situation where I get a spider that it gets mold or fungus, I take it out, I redo all the substrate, I've done it before where I've redone like I've rehoused it while I've housed a bunch of other spiders, so all that say three different spiders on the same substrate and only the spider that originally had the mold and fungus got the mold and fungus again, That gets you thinking that it can maybe transfer on it they're covered with hairs these little things are microscopic the little spores they float everywhere I don't think it's inconceivable that they fall over on the spider so now you're left at a point where what do you do do you you know wash the spider off is it possible that when you're moving them over it's coming over on traces of substrate I've had that happen before you you get the catch cup in there the catch cup is basically rooting around in all those spores. You get the spider in it. You don't think you have any dirt or anything in there, but those spores are probably being transferred over that way. So long and short of it, it's annoying. It's unsightly. I don't think it's as deadly as people make it out to be. And there was a, again, there was a trend where back, you know, 10 years or so ago where people would post that they had a, some mold in their enclosure, a little spot of mold, and they were like, take it out, throw out all the substrate, disinfect the whole thing, you know, quarantine the, tra- well, maybe not quarantine the tarantula, but it was, it was a big to-do, and a lot of people believed that it could immediately kill the spiders. Again, I think as we've given it more time and more thought and had more people that know about molds and fung- fungi chime in on it, we realized that most of the stuff we're getting in these enclosures aren't deadly into themselves. It just, again, indicates that we might have a little husbandry problem. So off the bat, When you get a little spot of white mold on a bolus, take a spoon, scoop the area out, let it dry out. That usually works for dry species. I'm not going to say. I I will tell you what it doesn't work for is the yellow fungus. And if anybody's got those, I want to say it was like called dog vomit. It's got this weird funky name when Billy and I looked it up. There's obviously a scientific name for it. And hopefully somebody that knows better will chime in. I don't like talking about stuff I don't really Know about, so it would just be me regurgitating information, but please feel free and we'll readdress it in a future podcast. But that stuff, you can, if you find a spot of it and it's got this sweetish smell to it and it's like yellowish, and if you look close, you see like all these little fuzzy balls. That stuff, if you scoop it out, generally, if you find one spot, there's like 20, and that's the stuff I find that explodes and you get the little mushrooms from. For regular mold, I found under most circumstances, you can just scoop it out and let the area dry out. So if you have a spider that does not require a moist temperature, uh, moist temperatures, moisture, you can always just let it completely dry out, take the water dish, one trick is to move the water dish around, that helps because you don't get the, you know, the same dry, the same wet spot in the enclosure, allow those spots to dry out, helps prevent mold. Uh, another obviously pull out the boluses as soon as you find them but sometimes we don't and i've had people freak out like i missed a bolus and now it's fuzzy just take live little plastic spoons you can use a little metal spoon and you just go in and you just scoop the area around it out if you want sprinkle a little dry stuff around it and let it go usually that gets rid of it for slings if you're keeping them in vials or smaller containers and you have a big outbreak either of actual mold or the fungus because that seems to be the two popular things people get then you're probably in a spot where it's better to rehouse the spider i know we don't like to rip up their dens and their burrows and whatnot but if that happens i will say when i look in one of those little vials and see mold that's going to spread quickly and those little vials don't offer a lot of ventilation to begin with and that's one of the reasons why i'm not i kind of switch more to using different smaller sizes of deli cups and souffle cups but they still work for some species then if you see the mold developing, get it out of there, get some new stuff in there, and try to increase the ventilation a little bit as well, and I think that's a key thing too, when you do get, if you're getting a recurrent problem of it, especially if it's a species that's not kept particularly moist, then you got to look at the ventilation, usually if you can keep the, the ventilation good, and this comes down to, and I will get into the, uh, the how to moisten the substrate in probably a future one, probably the next one, because these are going to take a couple to, a couple podcasts to cover all these questions, but one of the things you want to do is, and I always talk about this, is keep the bottom layers moist, let the top layers dry out. That helps prevent mold quite a bit. When I start letting the top dry out, because when, when you first get in, you hear they have to be kept moist, you're freaking out, when do I add moisture? Oh my gosh, the top is dried out. you got to remember that all that water down the bottom, they can burrow to that, get the moisture level they need. As that evaporates, it does increase the level of humidity inside the actual closure itself, although we don't measure humidity in tarantula closures. That's how it works, the moist substrate. So, letting the top dry out definitely works quite a bit. I did have somebody email recently where they looked in the, I believe it was a B. albopilosum enclosure and down in its den, the spider had left a bolus in there and it started to fuzz up and mold. That can be tricky because, in theory, you don't ever want to disturb their burrows. However, if they're developing mold and fungus in the burrows, that's usually something where I jump and it has to be dealt with. So, I've had a couple times with burrowing species. Usually, they're quite clean, usually, they will take the prey items the boluses and they will drag them out either drop them in a water dish or somewhere in a corner if you look around they usually do it all in the all in the same spot so if they are water dish ones, it's going to end up in the water dish. If there are corner ones, it's usually going to be the same corner every time. But what you want to do is, if possible, and depending on the species, because you've got to be really careful with this, if you can get down there with a pair of tongs and grab it out, that's great. But obviously, if you're dealing with a defensive old world, you've got to be very careful there. Sometimes, and I had this happen way back with a, I believe it was an L or C. lividus, where it had taken up a, a prey item had gone down there while it was in pre-molt and basically it killed the prey item but left it there didn't drag it out and it molted and the prey item basically rotted decomposed and when i shined a flashlight in there i realized it was starting to get mold all down there that's not good for them that's not a good situation so that one i had to rehouse dig her out and give her a new substrate so if it gets in the burrow if you can get it out sometimes and i will admit to this sometimes if you get a little bolus in there say it's a little one and it gets a little fuzz on it but it doesn't seem to spread if that dries out a bit, that will probably be fine, so you can play it by ear, I have had situations where I've noticed a little bolus in the den, and waited to see what happened, did it it expand, did it start to grow mold all over, if it just kind of runs its course and dies, sometimes that's okay, you can avoid having to rehouse them, but again, it depends on the size of the spider, it depends on like slings, I don't mess around, you pull them right out, Um, larger spiders, sometimes you can get away with it, but I think the trick is not to freak out initially try some of those preventative cosmetic measures where you can scoop it out get it out of the way if it keeps coming back then I, I will say in my own collection it's annoying but that's usually when I figure it's time to change the substrate and get something else in there I have found people ask me a lot why I don't like the cocoa fiber and I had been using a lot of cocoa fiber ever since I got that bad. Batch of topsoil. Now I've been using the BioDude stuff quite a bit. I really like that stuff. It's expensive, but it's been working great for me. So I don't care to have the peace of mind to know that there's not going to be necessarily that yellow mold or some type of pesticide or herbicide that's going to kill all my animals. It, it just, it's been easy to use. So I understand people don't want to use it. I did use topsoil for years topsoil I'd get some of that white mold on it because sometimes that stuff is packed very very moist and when you open up you get a, like a layer of dusty white mold over it and that again usually you can scoop it out once it dries out it goes away the cocoa fiber I always end up with that yellow fungus I don't know what if it's just in the bags already when I get it or in the compressed bricks but it seems like it doesn't take long for those to, for many of those enclosures that I use that in to start exploding it doesn't matter if I have vermiculite in it if I mix it with something else I get those Stupid mushrooms. So that's something I've noticed. I'd be curious to hear if any of the rest of you have noticed that as well, but those mushrooms are irritating. So yep, mold is always going to be an issue. I'd like to tell people there's somebody did tell me about adding some type of tea to the substrate and if somebody could chime in with that, I think it was on one of my YouTube videos, and I tried, that's the problem with the YouTube videos sometimes, is somebody will comment something, it'll be amazing, but then I go back, and I can't find the comment, and I'll take notes, and like write down, like comment on this video, and then I can't find it, but there was some type of tea extract, or something you could add, that supposedly reduced fungus, I I was thinking about trying that out, It's supposedly not harmful to the animals at all, and anything that would help prevent it would be great with me, but it's annoying. It's unsightly. I I don't, I'm not in the camp that believes it's deadly if left, if, if it doesn't blow up. If you get mold all over the place, yes, that's a bad thing. If there's a little spot in the mold, in a, a mold in the corner, that is not the time to panic. That is not the time to completely do a rehousing. Try letting it dry out. Try scooping it out for us, See what happens. If it keeps coming back, yeah, then it's probably time to rehouse. All right. So for the next one, this one was actually pointed. Billy spends a lot more time on Facebook than I do. And she pointed out on one of the groups that somebody was getting, destroyed because I believe it was a cat knocked down a tarantula and the tarantula was injured and I I don't know the specifics of it so I don't want to comment directly on that one but I know this comes up a lot and I think for many cases it's folks who are just getting into the hobby that don't realize that this is an issue but as I click over we have from Sarah Avery or Abery? Sarah, I apologize. I'm hoping I got it one of them right. Um, Sarah wrote, I was just thinking about this. Maybe the topic of keeping your tarantulas safe from other pets. Lots of new keepers, myself included, I was lucky enough and my tarantulas survived, lose teas to cats because they weren't prepared for that natural hunter instinct. Oops, I had to click more to kick in. I know that you have a tea room, but what other precautions do you take? Seems like this is a much needed discussion in the hobby. I agree completely and and over the years it's come up quite a bit and I think this is where some of the venom that eh, no pun intended comes from from the tarantula community because for those of us who've been around for a while we've seen this happen a million times however nobody thinks to warn anybody about it so it's kind of one of those things that until it happens you may not think about it. now let me just throw it out there I have dogs I've had dogs most of my life and throughout Billy and I being moved out together we've had dogs I think second year we moved out, we had, we got broken into in one apartment. So I basically told my landlord that we had no, who had no dog policy that I'm getting a dog. There's nothing you can do about it. But the dogs with the snakes and the spiders and the inverts generally don't recognize them they don't have the same instincts and I have you know three pit bull crosses who will generally you know one of the things with pit bulls that they do have that like that animal smaller than me I'm going to eat it type mentality sometimes and like they'll see squirrels and go nuts although I will say mine cornered a squirrel in the corner of my yard I was running out there getting ready to stop what I thought was going to be a a ridiculous massacre and the squirrel basically faced them off and they ran away so they're not that they're not as mine at least not as bad as some but Dogs, it's not so much a big deal, except you do want to keep them away from, like, floor level. Because, for example, I have a tarantula room. My dogs will come in there and visit with me sometimes. They just kind of poke around, sniff at things and most most of them are more concerned with the bins with the feeder insects because I'm sure those probably have a lot of good smells coming out of them but they don't really do anything I've never had any of them acknowledge that there are even giant spiders in any of those containers cats is a totally different story cats little spiders moving around that's going to trigger that hunting instinct and they have, you've seen cats good there's videos all over YouTube all over Facebook all over Instagram of cats doing what cats do getting into stuff they they're, you know precocious they're not going to give up if they see a glass container with something in it that they would probably like to eat or hunt or you know play around with they're going to expend as much energy and effort as they can to get it down and a lot of times what ends up happening is the keepers get the animals they set them up on a shelf everything's looking great and then the cat goes up notices the animals up there on the shelf and decides it's going to get into them and ends up batting them off the shelf, then they end up on the floor. Now, unfortunately, what happens more often in these situations is the animal doesn't, the tarantula doesn't get out of the enclosure, but the fall ends up doing serious damage and or killing it. In other instances, I've been aware of two different situations, I'm sure there's probably more, where cats have gone into and actually gone toe-to-toe with OBTs, believe it or not. They've gone in one instance, I believe they found the OBT dead, bled out on the floor, and a cat that was in agony because the OBT got its shots in and another situation I believe that actually I believe in both situations the cat got bit but killed the OBT so then we have a situation where the cat you got to run the cat to the vet the cat's in excruciating pain looking at you like why are you keeping these things and then the OBT is dead so I do think we need to be a little... Now, the the situations... I have been privy to situations with this where I think when some people get frustrated is when it happens multiple times. So I know a few years back, a guy came on, I think it was Arachnoboards and said, oh, my cat went up, my girlfriend's cat went up on a shelf, knocked over a bunch of my tarantulas. I think he might have lost one. And everybody told him some ways to get around. You know, you got to make sure that the containers are secure, maybe put them inside like a curio type arrangement that the cat get into, um, strap them in, whatever it may be, And then it happened again, and it was like, oh, it happened again, lost another one, and people were like, dude, the first time, that's totally reasonable. Second time, you should have done something about it, and it was long enough later that things should have been done about so I think sometimes they get frustrated because again we love these animals we love tarantulas and we hear about them being put in situations that you know at least the second time should have been avoidable so one thing to think of if you have cats assume don't I don't care if you have the sweetest cat in the world she watches birds all the time from the window and she never wants to hurt them and she was cuddling with a squirrel assume your cat at some point is going to notice something in those, they're inquisitive. They're going to look in those aquariums. They're going to look in those plastic containers you have, and they're going to go, Hey, I want to play with that. Or I want to kill that. Or I want to hunt that. Or I want to eat that. Assume it's going to happen. Don't go with the, I think a lot of times we get in trouble is we think, Oh, my little baby isn't going to show any interest. And sometimes they don't for a while. I know I spoke to somebody who was upset because they had kept for quite a few years. They had kept a cat. Cat never showed any interest in the tarantulas. Came home one day from work cats suddenly showed interest in the tarantulas, so assume they are going to try to get to them now you got to think how am i going to fortify my collection in a way that it's going to be cat proof obviously having a separate room helps i I, as we talked about in this comment i do have a separate tarantula room i don't have cats um we just have a couple dogs here that i don't think would put up with them right now but if you have cats assume it's going to be an issue The room works great having a separate room however we've had situations where people have left the room open and the cat gets in and all it takes is once and bats a couple things over or gets a container over you have an injured cat you have an injured or dead tarantula is isn't going to work. So you got to think of some way to secure it. So I've had people do things with bungee cords. I've had people do shelves that they're stacked so tightly that the cat can't get on top of it. So for example, you have them fit so that the container slides right in. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do top ventilation if you do these. And then what they do is kind of put a strap around the front of it that holds them all in place. Um, Somebody was telling me they basically live in a place where they're afraid they've had earthquakes and they're afraid they're going to have earthquakes and things are going to fall off the shelf. So I remember this individual had built like an earthquake-proof shelving for the tarantulas, well, then they got a cat, and they just modified that so it held them in. So you do have to figure out some way to keep them from being able to knock them over. So having some type of rail around the shelf, if you have a shelf, I mean, I can just have open shelves, Put my containers on them. They're fine. We had three earthquakes, a bunch of, that was a bunch of earthquakes several years ago. It was really weird because we usually don't get earthquakes up here, but not enough to knock anything off the shelves. I know some folks who on their bigger enclosures, they stack things heavy on top of them, be weights or whatnot. Whatever it may be, you have to find a way. And again, I don't have to do this, so I can't really point to anything i've done to do it i know um somebody else i talked to has a smaller collection they went to basically yard sales and flea markets and bought some curios and they took the curios home you know the big i think that's what they call them curios the big glass, the basically wooden cabinets that have the glass doors that you can open up and they modified them by putting a lot of ventilation in the sides so they drilled in put some i believe circular vents in and put lighting in there, and made it lockable, so now they could put their smaller specimens in there, lock it, the cat couldn't get to them, they could still see them, they were well lit, and the, uh, the nice part was, in the wintertime, when it got dry, you could put some open water in there, which would keep the humidity at least, or the moisture levels in there, up a little bit, keep them from evapor- evaporating quickly, obviously it's a little bit of an investment, but if you're trying to keep your collection safe, it's a good investment, and I think they were picking up these curios pretty cheap, now again, this individual was good at woodworking and stuff, so we'd done some refinishing on them and everything. but you know i'm sure you could go out there and find at least one big curio for 100 bucks or something that you could go alter that would keep them safe for the bigger ones they shouldn't be able to get into the bigger containers i mean if they're bigger and heavier but again make sure they're held down so they can't just knock them over anything with the screen top should be secured anyway i have heard instances of the people that use the screen tops to have those little clips that go underneath of the cat managing to get the clip off and then getting the screen top off they can you know again they're persistent so it needs to be and and when somebody has a situation if you're on a board or a facebook group or a message board or someplace public where people are going hey my cat knocked over i know knee-jerk reaction is to get upset and a lot of people want to immediately move to admonishing the person but most cases they're upset they've lost a pet they're coming you know i don't I applaud anybody that does something that might be considered a mistake in the hobby and comes forward with it because you open yourself up to get torn apart from all these people that supposedly knows know better. And sometimes they do know better. Sometimes they're just jumping on the bandwagon because they see somebody getting torn apart. But let's keep in mind that although we may have been on the boards for years and seen this stuff happen again and again and again, even if somebody posted on it three days before, there's a good chance that person didn't see it. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and then just politely, you know, offer our condolences if thing was hurt, but then help them out. Here are some things you need to do. And again, feel free to share this podcast. If they don't feel like going through the whole thing, I don't blame you, but share some, hopefully some people will come up with some tips when I post this one about how they cat-proof. Again, I don't have cats, so I can't cat-proof. I can only regurgitate what other people have told me but there are probably other tricks out there as well to make sure the i'm sure there's ways to make the enclosures so that they're almost mounted to the shelf so that you have to unlock them to move them out anything you know i'm sure there's some creative stuff you guys are all very creative people when it comes to the hobby let us know but let's not jump on these people and destroy them let's move on and I mean again if it happens more than once that's a tricky one and I found myself in the past with a guy that you know kind of oh, it happened again <laughs> I was upset because it shouldn't happen twice at once it's forgivable twice unless you know god forbid you tried a bunch of stuff to make sure that they it wouldn't happen again and the cat was able to overcome it and get it done that's a totally different ballgame but know that it happens it happens a lot for people that you know maybe you're just getting into the hobby hearing this and you have cats at home again assume they're going to try to do this, do it now, don't put it off, don't go, oh, it's been good so far, assume at some point they're going to find interest in them, and things could happen, so make sure you take care of it, and if you're somebody that's on the boards, and uh, you know, you hear somebody come forward with these stories, try to help them out, try to give them some positive things that they can do to make sure it doesn't happen again, oh, and before I forget, the other one that can sometimes cause some damage are ferrets, I've had a couple instances where ferrets have gotten, and they're not usually that, you know, they're just mischievous little guys, and I've had a couple of situations where they've just knocked things off, they both ended okay, but again, that could be a bad situation if it knocks off an old world species, and the old world species gets out, that could do a number on a ferret, I'm assuming, or ferrets can be kind of nasty, and they could hurt the spider, so that's something else, if you have ferrets, be careful that they're, they're secured. Dogs, I'll be curious to hear if anybody's had issues with their dogs, I have not, so I can't, I'm not going to sit there and say that all dogs or no dogs out there will show any it's pay any attention to tarantulas. But from my perspective, I think we've had six or seven in the times I've been in the hobby, no, maybe eight. And none of them ever showed any interest to those or the snakes for that matter. For the most part, sometimes see the snakes moving and kind of go, what the heck is that? But they're fine. So please feel free to chime in again. When I do the podcast, Part of the reason I want people to comment is more so when somebody goes and checks out the podcast, they also get to see what other people chimed in with. I don't have all the answers, so I'm hoping some of you folks out there that have cats and little animals that may want to, you know, predate on the tarantulas or may be an issue of knocking them off shelves or whatnot will chime in and let us know what you do to prevent that from happening. Now, as luck would have it, I was going back and forth with Vince Padilla on my Facebook page this morning about the mold. I asked what kind of mold he was getting. Was it the white stuff or the yellow stuff? Vince, that looks like that dog vomit mold I was talking about, or the fungus that I was talking about. That's the stuff that if those little balls, they will spread. They don't, you can try scooping that area out, but I'm guessing the entire enclosure probably has it now. I've had good luck keeping that stuff at bay to a point, but inevitably it ends up exploding. So my, unfortunately for that stuff, and in my experience, you you can spot clean it or whatever it's it's probably infested already so you may want to rehouse so there you i was out for service i am going to go respond to this in a minute when i'm done and let them know that i've literally just covered it in the podcast but again with that if you see those little balls those are the bane of my existence right now you'll smell it too when it starts spreading it has a sweet smell to it so i'm sure some people out there are going oh that stuff it's apparently the person who analyzed or looked at it i showed him some pictures of it i was supposed to send the the actual stuff over I was pretty sure it's a fungus and it grows into mushrooms so So I haven't ever lost a tarantula that's had that in its enclosures. And I've had a couple blow up. I mean, the stuff blows up quickly, but once it blows up, it's, it's just, it doesn't smell right. It doesn't look right. It's, it's not a very healthy situation for the tarantula. So I will rehouse. So, unfortunately yes in that case Vince I would go ahead and rehouse that one and get that substrate out of there and replace it and you probably want to boil that cork bark as well because I found what will happen and I've had this happen before you take the cork bark out and you don't realize that the cork bark actually has the spores all over it and that will blow up as well which is not particularly fun and we'll carry it over into the new freshly cleaned enclosure so Vince, yep. Unfortunately, that is the all stuff we were talking about. And uh, yeah, good luck. I load that stuff. And I think a lot of us deal with it. It's quite annoying. All right. So let's see what else we have here. I'm going to click back over to Facebook. We have one here from Jeremiah Strange. How about teaching over trashing in regards to new keepers making mistakes? Oh, and Sarah chiming in as well, saying, uh, "Jeremy, Jeremiah Strange, oh yes, this would fit nicely with my safeguarding teas against other pets idea. Again, I'm guessing somebody got reamed out because of a tarantula getting knocked over by a cat or whatnot. And uh, again, my apologies, people are going to be people. But yeah, that's that's been basically the whole reason I started doing this stuff is because I started feeling bad. I remember somebody getting torn apart on a rack board several years back that came asking. And, and not to say, I don't want to... This isn't a bash arachnoboids thing because there is so much so much of a wealth of knowledge, just even archived in older stuff. You can trace the history of certain species like they were brought over. We thought this was how they kept and watch how the carrots changed. The place is amazing. There's some great people over there. So not the bat. And this was a long time ago. I think it's softened up quite a bit since then and, and become more hospitable. I, I don't spend a lot of time over, it. But I do remember just one instance where somebody asked a question and got ripped apart and it became a whole big, yeah, we just only have answered this 15 times this week. And the person basically left boards over it. And I remember thinking to myself, my God, that's somebody that legitimately came forward, whether they've heard the question a million times before. And I do get that aspect of it, I guess. But that's not the way to go about it. Or somebody will come on and make a mistake and then whether it be, you know, on a forum or on a Facebook group and then the they just attack people just attack and having we just had this before and you need to do more research. You, that's all fine and good. And I think we can all the majority of us who have been in the hobby for a while and paid our dues and and kept these animals for a while. Recognize how important research is. And probably if you spend any time on social media, recognize how often people don't do the research. I get that it can be irritating. I get that it can be annoying. And I get that it sometimes defies logic that people didn't spend a little time learning about an animal before they they brought it into their home. However, it is what it is, so you can either attack the person for them, which is going to make them retreat, they're going to become defensive, they might leave the group, and then they might not get the information they need that's going to help the animal, or we can politely help them with their question, I mean, in some cases, there are opportunities to go, hey, just in the future, you want it before you bring one home, you know, but you got to kind of leave it and walk away. You don't want to have a million people coming forward going, yep, you screwed up. You kept it. This is a dry species. You kept it moist. You killed your tarantula. You're a terrible owner. Help them. Believe me, I've been doing this now for quite a few years. The idea of the website, once it got rolling, was to try to give people a safe place to go to. Again, I teach for a living. So I recognize, because I've had millions of examples of why this doesn't work, hopefully not through my own teaching, but i witnessed... Teachers, they're just like, they blame the kid. The kids don't get it. I yelled at them. I told them, you got to do this. Why don't you get this? We've been going over this for a week. Well, I'll tell you what, yelling at them is just going to basically have them close off, close their mind, and there's going to be no educating going on whatsoever, making them feel stupid, making them feel inferior, making them feel like. They're being yelled at by making it for making a mistake is not a way to educate people, and I've gone over this many, many times in in various through the videos, through my podcast. The fact that I strongly believe that we need, need to be a little more accepting. That's not to say it's not things we hear aren't going to anger us. Believe me, I try to always keep a very positive, uh, you know, attitude when dealing with people. I've had some questions. I'll tell you. and Billy listens to it and we joke sometimes and this is not I don't want people out there going oh my gosh Tom I just emailed him and Tom Moran's you know making fun of me no I'm talking about people that come forward that aren't as polite as 99% of the people I deal with they go hey I might have screwed up and they're polite and they're appreciative I'm talking about the people that come forward that do something that's very egregious and don't seem to get why it's a big deal those sometimes frustrate me or people that will come on and I'll give advice to them they ignore my advice and then come back later on and go hey what happened what you said happened happened that can be frustrating but I never let it come out because I want this person and to continue coming back to me is as irritating as it can be sometimes and not be listened to. When I try to say, listen, I've, I've gone through this. I get it. I always try to bring it back to when I first got into the hobby and that's very successful technique for me to remember 99% of the stuff people come to me with I've done or gone through. So who the heck am I to judge? It's happened. I figured it out. I've gotten better at it. So now I'm going to try to help them figure out and get better at it. So I try to always, when I tell people, hey, I totally get it. I've been there. I mean, I totally get it. I've been there. I can remember what it was like. I can remember the stress I can remember screwing up again you're talking to the guy right now who almost buried his g porteri when it molted for the first time that's as bad as that doesn't get much worse than that so i think part of it is to try to remember and again people are people there's a reason i don't get out all that much in the summer it's because you know you there's just you're going to find jerks anywhere you're going to find people that will tell i never made those mistakes i never had those issues you're an idiot and those are the ones you just ignore they're poison whatever that's great you're my hero move on but I think a lot of us don't have that mentality. I think a lot of us, if we take a step back and really think about it. We've gone through this stuff before. We've all stressed when a tarantula has buried itself. We've all stressed at signs of primol. We've all stressed over a tarantula not eating. So let's remember that when somebody comes forward, although obviously those are some of the top questions people ask, Let's just remember that to them it's brand new. We've seen it before. We've been on the boards. We've done the research. But to them it's brand new. Sometimes they do the research and they just want to hear another human being say, "Yeah, that's the case." I've had many people go, "Yeah, I've just read your your blog about molting. I just watched your video about molting." However, I have a question. My guy is really fat. He was eating great. He stopped eating and buried himself. That, that signs a pre molt, right? And sure, I could sit there and go, dude, you just read my entire article. You just watched, oh my gosh, I think I have a half hour video on molting. What is wrong with you? I don't. I realize they just want to hear it from me in person. I go, yeah, that sounds like great. Thank you. And then you know what the best part is? A lot of people will go email me a couple weeks later, and go, hey, It's exactly like you said. It came out, it opened its burrow. As My dog shakes in the background and it's eating again. Thank you so much. I feel so much better. Guess what? Next time they're not going to be as freaked out. So yes obviously I think part of it's I come from a teaching background and I get what it takes and I work. Again I'm a special education teacher. My kids are fantastic. I've got some brilliant kids but a lot of kids that haven't had a lot of success in school and they don't believe they're brilliant. So a lot of it is trying to get them to buy in and the best way to kill that is to make them feel like idiots and to make them feel like if they open their mouth they're going to be ridiculed by their peers or myself it's the same way with social media facebook groups and forums if you pile on people you are not educating and that drive that's probably my biggest pet peeve in the hobby and i don't like to get into negative stuff but is people that use that technique and go, I'm trying to teach. Screw you. You're not a teacher. That's not a teacher. That's just like, that's the opposite of teaching. That's you trying to bully your way into situations and pretend like you're better than everybody else to make you you feel better because I don't know. You have a crappy life, seriously. And I hate to get negative with that, but that's honestly the way I see it. That's not teaching. And I have seen situations where I've had to really bite my tongue because people have gone forward and went, what? They've got to learn. I'm just trying to educate them. I'm a teacher and it's just so irritating, because that's, you know, quite frankly, that's, those are bad teachers, those are the ones you had in school that made you afraid to take risks, that made you think that you weren't good at a subject, that, you know, I've talked to people, they've been driven away from, you know, liking English, or liking math, because one teacher that made them feel so bad about themselves, that they just turned them off to a subject they might have liked previously, that's terrible, that's just crushing that desire to learn, so, Again, I know for some people this will fall on deaf ears. It's I'm not the morality or the education police as far as tarantulas are concerned. I don't go out there and get involved in this stuff because I'd rather people just approach me and we can have a civil conversation. I'll be more than happy. You can ask me the most over asked question on the planet I will smile and do my best to give you any information I can to help put your mind at ease but as far as the online stuff goes I don't think it's ever going to go away people are going to be people you're going to get some really nice people and, it, and when you see those articles you usually get the people that go on or try to be nice about it and then you get the ones that gang up and you know the attitude and you know the type of people just ignore those go with the ones that are actually giving you good information and if you're one of those people that finds yourself in the spot because it happens that you see something online that makes you so angry be Because my God, if you had just done research for five seconds on Google, stuff would have came up. I get it, but take a deep breath and remember what it was like when you were there. Or if you're one of those people that never was there and never had that and you just knew everything right off the bat, again, you're my hero, but just close it, no point in chiming in, and again, I know this is, it's, it's social media, it's its one of the reasons, and I've alluded to this before, why I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, although I will say that everybody I've interacted with on my Facebook page has been amazing, we don't get any, I've never seen any drama there, and that's fantastic, and I thank everybody for that, and I think that's because we're getting, you know, smart, educated people that are coming in trying to learn about the animals they're keeping, that love them, and want to share that love, which is great, so for those of you that, and I see a lot of people that take the time to explain to people that don't get easily frustrated and they, Hey, this is how it works. Yes. Your tarantulas and mull. Yeah. You probably, if you have cats need to secure them. Cause again, assume that people don't know that I might not have known that if I had gotten a cat, I don't know if I would have thought about that. As a matter of fact, the first time I ever thought about the fact that my tarantulas could be in a situation where they need to be secured is when one of my snakes got out and actually knocked some of them over and I was like oh my god I didn't anticipate that it happens you might have been privy to it a million times they probably haven't been privy to it a million times so just stay calm help them out we need people to feel like they can come and ask questions in the hobby I can't do this all myself obviously I'm you know I answer a lot of questions. I do the best I can to help anybody that asks. I love when people come on to my YouTube channel and they go, oh my God, I asked them a question. You got right back to me. Yeah, I'm going to, I I said that if I ever get to the point where I can't answer people's questions on YouTube, I'm going to stop making videos because that's just rude. People come on there and they comment and they ask questions. I have to be able to answer them. I I do get, you know, obviously Facebook suffers for me. And I think I've explained many times why I'm not as big onto the Facebook, but I'm there and I try to do my best. But again, my hope is that through and, and as the popularity of the Tom's Big Spider stuff, which, again, still blows my mind because I never thought this was going anywhere. And it's it's been rather humbling. But to hear people, the way my name's thrown around and people, the praise I get, it's it's amazing. I've seen a lot of these people go and kind of pay it forward and do the same thing and be like, hey, I had read this on Tom's Big Spider. I went through the same thing. Here's what happened. And I love that because it means not only was I able to help that person, but they're politely teaching not yelling not admonishing they're politely teaching the other people the same way that's perfect so if I can if anything if I can just set an example in that respect that's makes everything all worth it so again uh, we've covered this a bunch of times but it's something I always like to revisit because there are a lot of people out there that do fashion themselves as authorities they may have the experience to warrant it but their delivery kind of for lack of a better term sucks It's going to happen. Try to avoid those. Try to find the people that know what they're talking about that have that disposition and that mentality where they realize for many people, it may be old for us. It's new for a lot of people. They want to hear it from a regular person. They want to hear it from a voice and just entertain them. Answer the question. Try to help them out and don't make them feel like idiots when you do so. That's not teaching. All right, so we're at about the 43-minute mark, and I got a funny feeling I'm going to run over this month my time allotment, but there's just been some good topics we've covered, and I got a funny feeling this one's going to take us a few because I thought I was going to get through like 10 today. I have a little list of 10 I was going to go through, and I didn't even get anywhere near that, so we're going to be continuing answering these questions as we go along. Thank you so much to everybody that responded. For the folks whose questions I addressed, I do hope I didn't butcher your names, and if I did, Please come on. Don't feel like you're being a jerk about it. Tell me how to pronounce it correctly because in the beginning of next episode, one of the things I'm going to talk about is if anybody, if I mispronounce your name, I'm going to make sure I get it right. So just spell it out phonetically for me so that I can say it correctly or give me something that rhymes like so that I don't butcher it a second time. But again, thank you to all that chimed in. Thank you for all the people whose questions I took today. I think we've got some amazing ones there. I will, again, like we did this the last time. I think I covered the majority of them. It got to the point where it was so far away from the list because I think it took me like four, like, three four weeks to get through them all Um, I will continue to get them some of them I may be just giving you links to podcasts I already did because I do think a couple of these I I already covered in detail I just want to double check maybe I have something to add to it I'll go back and listen to them again although I hate to hear the sound of my own voice editing these things is not fun but that'll do it for this time obviously I have Tom's Big Spiders on YouTube I have the website I again thanks to anybody who takes the time to listen to this it's still blown away that there's so many of you out there that have really gravitated toward the podcast and love the podcast and listen to it while you're doing, you know, driving or to work or at work or doing menial tasks. I'd love it. So thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you guys all next time.